The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's a Thursday here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network, and of course, that means it's time to get riled up on the Cowboys with your man Tom Ryle and your boy Roy White at RW3 on Twitter. You can find him at Tom Ryle BTB on the Twitter sphere. And of course, you can follow all the great content at Blogging the Boys on Twitter and at bloggingtheboys.com. Make sure to follow all the fantastic podcast shows. Turning out two a week, two a day, rather all week long here on the blog and the boys podcast network for you and lots to discuss as the Cowboys always provide us with something, Tom, whether it was this week and Mike McCarthy, not attending the coaches meetings in Palm Springs, Florida. Now I thought more of that was made into a mountain than probably should have been sure. It's uncommon for coaches not to attend this event, but it's probably also pretty worthless that they do am mm-hmm. i wrong no uh i mean it's the owners meeting and it's just i think exactly. for the the coaches it's more a little bit of networking get together chat a little bit stay at a hotel um, in palm springs florida wear a hawaiian shirt take friends with your with your classmates take photos with your yeah. classmates rather and have a great time like i don't blame mike mccarthy for not going to that just because it's unusual. Especially if he was focusing on trying to help identify players that he felt they could use for the team. Okay. I also find that explanation to be BS because quite frankly, (laughs) if that were his reasoning, he could have somebody on site filming whatever it is he needed to see. And he could watch that from his hotel in Palm Springs. So that reasoning was also kind of poor. I just didn't think he wanted to be there and have to subject himself to the the media scrutiny that will come with that, right? That just means more questions that would need to be answered by Mike McCarthy, and he could kind of avoid doing that by avoiding the meeting altogether. That's true. Uh, and I, I don't want to start another wild conspiracy thing, but, you know, Maybe he just really didn't want to hang around with, uh, you know, Jerry and Steven. <laughs> there, there may be some tension there uh, because there's, there is certainly the, uh, the belief that this is a make or break season for him. Um, 
in a year when the Cowboys don't appear to be massively all in, so to speak, on uh, getting the best roster uh, because they're up to their old tricks and free agency, you know? We can't afford the best roster, Tom. I mean, heck, they had to cut one guy just so they could keep three. Um, (laughs) So, of course, we'll get to that in Jerry's comments here in just a little bit. But on the Mike McCarthy front, we are now beginning off-season number three of year three of the Mike McCarthy regime. And at this point, does Mike McCarthy regret the decision he made to become the Cowboys head coach. Wow. I think he's got to be, he's got to be hitting that, that this isn't what I expected it to be point. Uh, Or man, I did not realize it was going to be this way kind of thing. Uh, we all pretty much know that working for Jerry Jones and in the Cowboys organization with, with Steven Jones doing his thing and, and exerting his weird prejudices about things like cap space. I think this might not really have been the kind of atmosphere. And I think the biggest thing was like, I don't think Mike McCarthy was prepared to get kind of the anticipatory throwing towards the wheels of the bus thing that has kind of happened already. Now the, I don't think he's used, used it all, used it all to having the ownership be so open about their lack of enthusiasm for him, so to speak, you know, I, th- I think that's just got to be something that he's kind of a little bit taken aback. And he may kind of wish maybe he'd looked around a little harder, um, especially given the fact that he's like, okay, uh, I came in, had all the weirdness of the COVID year, uh, and then had my uh, quarterback go down to a horrible injury. Uh, I was only able to cobble together six wins, then turned it around and went 12 and five. And yet the temperature under my seat just seems to have gone up because they had some struggles right at the end and lost in the playoffs. He's got, I I would have to think he's got to be feeling a little resentment over the way he's being treated and perceived. Um, within the building. I mean, hopefully he doesn't take what goes on with the fans and some of the media to heart because that they, that those groups can be jerks in any NFL city. But uh, I have to think he's got a little bit of wondering if maybe he should have taken a couple more interviews before he uh, jumped on it. I waffle on it. My initial thought was, no, he doesn't regret it, no matter what happens to him from here, because when you become the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, you instantly raise your profile nationally. And in theory, again, my initial thought was that 
yeah, he can get fired from the Cowboys, but he'll be the most well-known head coach available on the open market if he is. And that would seem to make him more attractive, except for the fact that the last head coach with the Dallas Cowboys who spent over a decade with him basically got an offensive coordinator shot and is right now out of the league. Yeah. And obviously Mike McCarthy's pedigree is more established than that of Jason Garrett, but it made me question whether or not just coming through the Cowboys organization did actually improve your profile as a head coach in the NFL. And now I kind of think the bright lights have exposed a lot of the warts that exist with Mike McCarthy as your head coach. And that might very well hinder his next opportunity when and if, I mean, well, not if, but when he is ultimately let go by the Dallas Cowboys, whether that's at the end of this year or at some point in the future. So yeah, I, my initial thought when I asked that question was nah, he's not going to regret it because he's going to be able to, he's going to be able to leave Tom, the rest of us, we can't <laughs> leave. We got to stick around here and watch this dumpster fire. And he's going to get out after the end of this year and perhaps go on to greener pastures, but maybe those greener pastures won't be available to him. So I now lean yeah. more on the side of regret for Mike McCarthy, probably about 70, 30 regret yeah. over what he will ultimately gain from having been yeah. the head coach of the Cowboys. Yeah. One other thing too, is I, I, there have been cases where there was a, uh, an embattled hair head coach and there was obviously someone waiting in the wings. You know, we've kind of seen that play out in places, including right here. Uh, you know, with the Wade Phillips, Jason Garrett thing. But the Cowboys actually have two candidates that get mentioned. You know, there's Sean Payton is always talked about as the, the great dream of the Jones family, or at least Jerry Jones. And there's also a lot of speculation that they're grooming Dan Quinn to step up. Uh, you know, when you've got multiple people being mentioned as the ones that are going to replace you, that that's got to feel a little bit awkward. Well, and it wasn't a year ago that Kellen Moore was also being thrown into that conversation as a name potentially, you know, that could be groomed in that position. And it's it almost seems like Jerry does surround whomever the head coach is with potential coaches in waiting if anything yeah. were to to slip at any time and as we've and, and if if more comes back and gets the offense roaring because either his key players are really healthy this year or just because he gets some things figured out or a combination of both he could get thrown right back into the mix so yeah it's 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 the most visible head coaching job in the league outside of maybe Bill Belichick because he's Bill Belichick. But, yeah, it comes with some, some interesting baggage uh, that, that most other franchises don't have. No other franchises have, I would argue, <laughs> in the totality that they have to deal with here with the Dallas Cowboys. 
We talked last week about the first wave being over in NFL free agency, but Tom, it kind of feels like there's no waves left. Um, the first wave came and went, and now teams seem to be bunkering down. A lot of draft preparation and mock drafts are being thrown around out there, and there just doesn't seem to be a lot of activity and talk about some of the big-name free agents that are out there. I think at this point, and based on our discussions last week, it's probably safe for Cowboys fans to assume there will be no moves of significance between now and the NFL draft. That's not to say there couldn't still be some moves of significance, especially after some of those dominoes fall, because that's where teams decide, okay, we've got holes to plug that we now will not be able to plug via the draft. But I think whatever wave we thought the Cowboys might try to hitch a ride in when it came through, they're going to skip entirely. Yeah, uh, I, I think they've got – they're almost kind of to the house clean stage. Uh, and that's including – I think they're going to sign an offensive guard, um, you know, maybe a, a, an OT for depth before they go into the draft. Uh, but they're going to wait – and hope to get somebody at a real dirt cheap price. And then there may be a couple of, but we're talking the million dollar players, the guys that are coming in pretty much on vet minimum contracts. Um, you know, at most just a couple millions, nothing splashy. This is strictly going to be cleaning up and getting the last bit of housekeeping done. So yeah, we're not going to see anything exciting. I mean, you know, they, they, took themselves out of the Bobby Wagner uh, sweepstakes, uh, which, as I mentioned, uh, if you want, if you were the guy that was going to write the article for a website uh, about that, you should have been pre-writing that four weeks ago because it was, it was going to happen. That's the way the Cowboys do it. They weren't going to get involved in anybody that was going to demand a high price. And I understand that Wagner's looking for a, a one-year, $11 million deal to come in and prove he's still got the ability to play. Which no one has offered him, to be fair to the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. But they're still I still don't think they're going to pay whatever he does get. Let's say, you know, let's say he gets like eight. The Cowboys, are, the Cowboys that's just – as has been mentioned, they have like kind of this $6.5 million hard limit. And uh, so we're just not going to see anything there. And and th- there will be some signings, but they're probably going to be more the kind of things you're going to like, oh, okay. And that's about the most you're going to get out of it. Well, then, if we're resigned to kind of looking forward at what the Cowboys are going to do with their draft plans, before we do that, we probably need to step back and just kind of take a bird's eye view of what the Cowboys have done up to this point in the off season. Mm -hmm. And you and I, Tom kind of pre-discussed this about Mm -hmm. what we can do to, to have a little fun with this conversation. So what we're calling this is planned or panned. Was this a well-planned and potentially well-executed play by the Cowboys front office or 
Was this a move that the Cowboys made that should absolutely be panned by pundits, fans, and the media alike? So we'll go through some of the Cowboys moves that they've made. And Tom, you'll tell me where you sit on the fence on those fronts. Uh, Let's start with, I think, what was probably the most exciting time for the Dallas Cowboys in free agency. And that was the saga involving Randy Gregory and to a lesser extent, his agent well-planned or hard pan by the fanboy base, the media and pundits alike. Yeah. This is one. And there's, there's, this is one, I think we're going to run into a couple others where there's actually two parts of this. They actually had a, a pretty good plan, which was they were going to go out. They were going to work something out. They were going to keep Randy Gregory to, to give them that, that right defensive end uh, threat uh, against the, the quarterback. And I think the plan was all right, but you have to pan the execution because that's where they blew it. Uh, you know, first off, they, they kind of did the whole wanting to play a little hardball. They were banking, I think, on the hometown discount. And then uh, there was the whole kerfuffle about language in the contract. And there, there's, you know, it got hashed out eternally, but there, there seems to be a good evidence. The Cowboys have a unique thing entailing that getting fined can lead to nullifying your guarantees or voiding the guarantees. And nobody else considers just fines that don't involve a suspension, as far as I've been able to tell. And that's something that I'm not too sure the agent didn't help cause that, because you'd think the agent would have looked through the, 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 the wording, the language in the contract, and maybe spotted that in time to say, hey, We've got a little issue with this thing. Is is that something that can be fixed? Um, Wasn't that part of the plan? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I mean, I hate to step in here, but... You, th- you think they you know, were going to try to sneak that one in on them? The well-planned part of it? Well, mm-hmm. they planned it well enough to not include that on Dak Prescott's deal. And yeah. while it's nice, and we've gone over this point, it's nice to hear media members go to bat for the Cowboys and say, oh, they put this in other contracts, blah, blah, blah. 
that doesn't mean it's a good thing to put into contracts. In fact, it only exposes yeah. the fact that these idiots have been putting this in every single contract they've done. How many mm-hmm. other free agents have potentially walked away because of this that we just didn't know about? Yeah, and if that's the case, that's- this was the exact same deal, one mm-hmm. that they were willing to give to a player they felt was their number one priority because were he not, they would have re-signed Dorrance Armstrong, Leighton Van Der Esch, and Dante Fowler before they ever even negotiated with Randy, which they did mm-hmm. not do. Mm-hmm. So that, that those were obviously plan B as much as Jerry and Steven tried to spin it this week saying, look what we got. Right. And Jerry yeah. and that, to a greater extent tried to spin it even further by saying, yeah, we were willing to take the language out, but I, I said El Paso. I told yeah. Randy and his agent El Paso, Tom yeah. El Paso. I pass on it. What? I see why. I see why you never got a career doing comedic impressions there, Roy. Uh, anyway. My Jerry uh, used to be better. It, it used to be a lot better. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, the, the three-for-one thing is definitely spinning. Uh, that, was, that was scrambling, fallback, oh, my gosh, what do we do now kind of stuff. So, yeah, um, good plan going in, but absolute pan on the execution. I say poor plan, Tom. I say poor plan and poor execution, okay. but well, I'll let you have yours on that one. Uh, yeah, you, you, you're entitled to have a different take on it because I think that just shows we're looking at it from more than one side. We're not lockstep on this stuff. I don't agree with that. Again, I disagree. We should always have the exact same opinion on everything. That's why we do this <laughs> together. Um, Next biggest move, and really, I guess you could argue this was the biggest move, although I don't think it had the biggest impact, and I'll explain why in just a second, but the loss of Amari Cooper yeah, and the trade. Good plan, uh, well-planned, or hard pan? I'll give them the – while I'll question the assumptions they had for making it their plan, I think they had a plan. They planned for whatever reasons uh, that they were going to move on from Cooper, uh, get that precious cap space out of it. I, I firmly believe that part of it had to do with some of the off-the-field issues. I think there was a perception that he was kind of shutting it down a little bit at some point. So they kind of they lost faith in the player. They decided they were going to move in. So they move on. So they had a plan and they were going to try to trade him. That was all well and good. Once again, you have to pan the execution because Stephen Jones was talking about them moving on from him. What? Four five, six weeks ago. Uh, I've lost track of how long it was. Once again, they telegraphed their moves and drove down his trade value. Now, I'm not sure he would have gotten a whole lot more, but maybe they could have gotten something more than a fifth round pick for him and a little swapping of positions in what I think the sixth round or seventh round. Yep. Um, so I, I th- they had an idea. I give them credit for having made a decision early on about what they were going to do with that particular ro- roster spot with that particular player. 
but then once again, the way they did it just it was so clunky. It's amazing how awkward they they were with stuff. Yeah. Good plan. I agree in that sense. Like the plan was good. It was probably the right move to move on from Amari. The further I get away from it, the more I think it makes sense to me. But as you stated, I mean, could they have gotten a little bit more? Now, I I mean, I tweeted back close to the end of the season. I thought that that probably was the best they were going to get. I, I thought they would get a little bit better, actually, maybe a third or a fourth rounder for Amari mm-hmm. Cooper. But I really didn't think he would garner much more than that. Certainly not a first rounder. Uh, there were 35 wide receivers that had better receiving yards, you know, numbers last season than Amari Cooper did. And, you know, he also had a little bit of an injury thing going on last year that was somewhat inexplicable at mm-hmm. various instances. I know we had injury reports and I'm not saying it wasn't noted. It just, uh, yeah. Frustration, I think was yeah. what a lot of people were feeling. And certainly the Cowboys front office felt that as well. Execution wise, not so much, but, yeah. I, but I don't necessarily agree with the, the fan base panning them as, as hard as they are for this again, though, they can't really make up for it until the time. I think they intend to make up for it, which is, yeah you know, here in about a month's time. Yeah. Next move of the off season, Lyle Collins. Saving $10 million with the post June 1st deal. And he winds up with the Cincinnati Bengals, perhaps with a better team and a better situation for himself, but the Cowboys well-planned or panned. I'm going to say I think this was pretty much other than, once again, the awkwardness of uh, kind of make kind of almost making sure they weren't going to get a, get a trade for him. But generally, I think it was pretty decently planned. I think they had identified that he was not the player they'd always hoped he would be. He's he just continually seems to have all field issues. There was the infamous uh, attempt at bribery over the, the the drug test thing, and I think that was just there. Just too many red flags came up, and they decided they were going to move on. They thought they had uh, a workable solution in Terrence Steele uh, that they were they were willing to go ahead and risk going out going forward without Collins. And then they, you know, designated him a post-June 1 cut. They don't need that $10 million in cap space right now. They will have it probably to roll forward into 2023, which, you know, I'm not a big fan of carrying a whole lot of cap space over. But, and it also means that if something happened and they really needed to go out and sign someone um, or, or make a trade for an expensive contract that, that is maybe a good bit of insurance to have for the season because that that's something that you 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 never know when something could happen and when you might see that the integrity of your team are, are at least being able to maintain a hope of doing something depends on okay we've got to find a replacement and okay here's a guy over here that fits our needs that can come in and, and definitely help the roster and everything, but we're going to have to take their contract 
And all of a sudden, now you've got $10 million to absorb that kind of a thing. So I, I actually give this one uh, a you know good grade on the plan they had. And I'm not not very upset that they just did an outright release on him. I'm, I'm not too, too uncomfortable with that at all. I tend to agree. Well planned by the mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys, and you said it pretty well on all facets. I mean, I would just say – Look, they got Terrence Steele at that spot. Um, he was serviceable in that position, mm-hmm. and he's far cheaper than Lyle Collins. Now, had Lyle Collins separated himself on a consistent basis? I mean, yes, he probably was the better tackle on a regular basis, but was he so much better to deserve that much more money? I say no. Um, I say no, and somewhat I'm anticipating the Cowboys fill that void to a certain extent via, you know, veteran signings or the draft. If they don't, then I suppose I could feel a little bit differently about that position and that move coming in the next month and a half. But I like the plan. I'm cheering for that one. I think that was well planned by the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. Tank Lawrence and the way that situation ultimately played out. Was that the Cowboys plan from the jump? Just to get, him I think so. And keep him I, here because it seemed like it was tanks. Yeah, I, I, I have to think that the end result was what they wanted to get, which was rework the deal, get him on a three-year deal that helped with the cap situation. Um, why they had to talk about, oh, we might have a problem keeping under the cap space once again. There's, there's this feeling they have to negotiate and put this stuff out there to make themselves look good, and they all they do is wind up like making themselves look bad. But getting him back in the fold, keeping him uh, in place to build that defensive line off of, um, you know, and knowing that you've got, if nothing else, Micah Parsons can come in on, on passing downs and help you from the other side and everything – I think it was a good move, and I, I, I'm happy with the contract they got. So this is one where I give them points for the plan just because it kind of turned out uh, uh, really well. Hard to argue. Fan favorite, top producer on the defense, has been that even if the production numbers, right, that we traditionally looked at, sacks aren't there, the pressures, the disruptions, the impact plays – um, the penalties that he draws, Demarcus Lawrence is still very much holding his own in the NFL and, and deserving of of that type of extension. So no issues with that. And then the most recent one that kind of played out, you alluded to the idea that this player could potentially be returning. Well, now, Tom, we we ain't seeing him back. Greg the leg ain't coming back to Dallas because he wound up with the New York Jets. I I give this a pan if the plan was always to release him and then try to bring him back because it was a great plan when they released him because I didn't think he should be brought back. But to find out that the plan all along was, okay, we're getting back at a cheaper price, that makes it horrible. No, I don't care (laughs) what the price was. You need a better extra point kicker. He, I think, over the somebody said over the past two seasons, he was the worst extra point kicker in the National Football League. 
And if you have that, then, you know, there's a chance that one day he's going to cost you a win or force a game into overtime that you should have closed out in, in regulation. And yeah, just when, when I heard that they actually, that really was their plan. Uh, and I mentioned that I was not happy with the idea of getting back cheaper. That, that kind of dismayed me. And I'm, this is one where, thank goodness, their plan didn't work out. It was a bad plan, and uh, it's a good thing that they don't have to go through this, this nightmare with his strange inconsistency where he seems to be better when you're, he's booming it from 50 than he is when he's knocking it, trying to knock in one from 38. Yeah, this is one of those, thank God, their horrible plan didn't come to fruition. Uh, they could have gotten high marks on this just by keeping their mouths shut and letting mm-hmm. it play out the way that it did. But to let it out that they wanted to bring him back deserves to be panned and panned loudly by the fan base and anybody that's involved or even familiar with Greg's history because mm-hmm. holy crap. Um, <laughs> I'm, I guess if that's what we got, we're back ready to take our chances here in Dallas in the kicking game and, and just, you know, ride that roller coaster again. Cause Hey, we haven't seemed yeah. to get got been able to get off of it no matter what we do at that position. Yeah. It does seem that way. Well, the last so. thing I wanted to take a look at as we start to review and preview what the Cowboys could potentially do in the NFL draft coming up here in a couple of weeks, where is the draft going to be held today? Is that this, this year? Is that Vegas? Is that's Vegas? Vegas. Man, that's going to be a fun time. Well, of course, we'll have all the coverage here on Blogging the Boys, the YouTube channel going live 30 minutes prior to the draft, and we'll be live all three days during the draft coverage. RJ Ochoa anchor in that thing. You'll see our man Tom there getting you ready on Thursday night, possibly previewing the Cowboys first round draft pick although we'll see what time that actually takes place Tom did you mm-hmm. think you signed up for the perfect time to make sure that that happened on your watch? I may have been I was trying to figure it out but I may have been a little too early but I we'll think see. you might be a little early brother I think you might yeah. be a little early maybe a Cowboys trade up but, uh, but either way fine. make sure you check out Tom there on the blog and the boys YouTube page going live for the draft there on Thursday Friday and Saturday I just want to take a quick look at it and just see in general what side of the ball you'd like to see the Cowboys add to there in the first round, because this is the player that in most cases, potentially, you know, even, even where the Cowboys are selected late in the first round, we expect this player to be of starting caliber, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We expect this player to be able to come in and contribute immediately in week one and potentially with, you know, some other positions ailing, that may be an even higher expectation. So percentage wise, 50, 50 being a coin toss. How do you see the Cowboys potentially weighing their options on the offensive side of the ball versus the defensive side of the ball? Oh, I think it's at least 90% offense. God, everybody's Uh, in that range. I'm right there. with Yeah. Yeah. um, The exception would be if like a, great edge rusher fell unexpectedly, uh, you know, or something like that. But 
Uh, I wouldn't even see him going for a really great cornerback. All of some people are, are saying that could be an option. But uh, not only do I think they're going offense, I think they're going offensive line. Uh, and the Cowboys are just basically admitting it. That's their target. That's their plan. Hmm. Everyone think it's going to be a guard. They think they're going after uh, Zion Johnson or uh, Kenyon Green to reply to come in and be the starter instead of Connor McGovern. But hang on a second. I'm going to throw a wrinkle at you. I did an article earlier this week about the Cowboys pass protection. Uh, ben Baldwin, uh, well-known Seattle Seahawks writer and stuff, but who also looks at league trends and the whole thing. He looked at, the pass protection aspect of the offensive line. And he did three iterations of this and the Cowboys ranged from two to 10th best in the league. But if the Cowboys are 10th back in the league at pass protection with the players there, they've got on the roster right now, that's pretty good shape. It doesn't talk about the running game, but the passing game is where the money is. So that's really great. But here's the surprise. The weak link under his, the, the guy that was least effective in pass protection, was not Connor McGovern. It was Terrence Steele. Here could be the great wrinkle. The Cowboys might elect to go offensive tackle in round one if the right guy's there. I would not put that at all outside the realm of possibility. So I'm with you in, in that 90% offense, right? Probably mm-hmm. unlikely they're going to get a great defensive impact player there in the first round. And, you know, the decent defensive side of the ball, less flashy, that's a spot where you can kind of throw a few more darts in the later rounds, right? Third, fourth, fifth round, yeah. they might go three or four rounds in a row picking all defensive players. But while you're looking at guards and tackles, Tom, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I'm looking at the skill positions. I'm looking yeah. at the impact that guys like Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown. I'm looking at the impact these guys can have in year one. And mm-hmm. I'm just thinking, how can jerry not be licking his lips at the potential of taking another player like that and arguably having the potential to have a better offense than he had a year ago at a quarter of the price i mean cd lamb's now going to be entering the third year of his rookie deal that will likely be a five-year deal If they find a wide receiver in the first round that's worth his salt to potentially be a number one or number two option, they have the offset of paying their quarterback $40 million for the entirety of his deal, basically. Because after three years, you would assume a restructure would be on the horizon to begin with. That, to me, is going to be incredibly enticing for the Cowboys. And especially for Jerry, if one of his pet cats, say the Arkansas wide receiver, is there and available, 
it's going to be really hard for me in, in my mind for him to avoid taking that player. And I also yeah. think that from an impact standpoint, from a value standpoint, cost effective wise, a top wide receiver on the open market. Um, hell, Amari ain't a top 35, according to stats last year, and he's getting paid 20 million. A top wide yeah. receiver, if that's Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams, he makes 30. But a rookie wide receiver, he makes five. Yeah. That's hard. That I mean, that type of gap in the value of what a player can provide statistically versus what he's actually being paid, I don't know if there's a larger gap at any position other than quarterback from a rookie contract standpoint. Maybe quarterback and edge rusher, but that's it. I I will – I'm going to say this not because I'm defending it as being right, but because I think this is the way they're going to look at it that will still drive them towards picking an offensive lineman. And that's the depth of the class. I think there's a lot of talent at wide receiver out there. There's going to be some day two guys that are going to be excellent uh, that they will be able to get. Um, I don't know that the wide receivers uh, are that there's a, you know a clear delineation of who should be first round and who should be second round. Um, now that can I saw that the Cowboys were were talking about the fact that um, most years they figure there's like 150 draftable guys in the draft, so that a lot of stuff past round four is just not, you know, they're just long shots, roll the dice, see what happens. But the Cowboys are talking about there being as many as 225 draftable players. And I think they're going to be looking at it like that. And so I believe that they would see getting an offensive lineman as more of a sure thing to upgrade the team. And, uh, that they're, they're willing to take their chances later on because they see that comparative depth of, of uh, college talent this year, uh, I, you know. And it's, it's kind of – it's not there, I think, at quarterback. I think there isn't a clear, uh, you know, first guy in the quarterback group. And I think it's uh, – you know, this could be one of those years where I, I think – Probably there's going to be some guy that's going to emerge and be successful, but it's not necessarily going to be the one that gets picked first kind of kind of situation. But that's just how I think they're going to look at it, that we've got to take care of the offensive line because we can afford to do that because there's going to be a day two or maybe even a day three wide receiver that we really love that can come in and help with that situation. And I think they've got, maybe more faith in what they've already got at wide receiver than they should have. Um, you know, with Michael Gallup, now everybody is, is expecting him to not play until October as he comes back from injury. Um, I don't know if that's valid thinking on their part, but I think that is how they're thinking. That's just, that's just what I'm saying. And once again, I'm not defending that as the correct way to go. I'm merely saying that's kind of what I think is going on in their heads, if you understand what I mean. 
Well, you sniff around the Cowboys, there'll still be plenty of information pouring out of that front office because they are very Gabby and uh, they're happy (laughs) to tell just about anybody who's willing to listen what their plans might potentially be. So there will be a lot to glean from the Cowboys and what they say or even don't say over the next month. And we here at Blogging the Boys will have you covered from every angle on that front, including player profiles coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Keep an eye out for that on bloggingtheboys.com. And of course, make sure you subscribe to our podcast page. Get all this fantastic content. Again, two pods a day for you here on the Blogging the Boys podcast network. And of course, we also got the YouTube page going strong. Make sure you subscribe to that. Get you ready for draft night here just a couple months away from this. But for Tom, I'm Roy. You folks stay riled up on the Cowboys and we'll see you next Thursday.